0: I think computers are going to program themselves. I don't think we're going to tell computers what to do. That seems like a very now thing. I don't think in 20 years, that's really what's going to be happening.
1: What is up, you sexy bastard? It is your boy, Chocolate Chip, aka Rabbi can aka Noah Kagan. Today, we are replaying one of my favorite older episodes that you maybe haven't heard. That is Jason Fried of 37signals. Yes, they created Basecamp, they created Hey.com, and they wrote the book, literally on remote work and one of the biggest companies to be talking about it back in the day and they got investment from jeff bezos pretty cool in this conversation we have a lot of good topics that are still super relevant and interesting for today remote work living in barcelona making things that last the differences between us in anxiety as well as getting money from jeff bezos which is pretty interesting and the future of ai yes we talked about it years ago and it is still relevant today there is that, plus a bunch more ear nuggets along the way. So if you're starting a business, running a business, or just want to hear a conversation between two tech nerds, you're going to love this episode. Before we dive into the show, make sure you're subscribed to my newsletter. That is okdork.com. Also, I have a book coming out, but that's I'm going to talk about in a future episode. If you are interested in getting our launch team, which is me on Slack talking to you in private, getting a free audio and digital version of the book, me helping you on your business, plus seeing behind the scenes of the book marketing launch, just shoot me an email, book at okdork.com and you can get on the launch team. Again, that's book at okdork.com and I'll get you on the launch team. Why are you doing the seminar today? We're doing this thing where you're showing behind the scenes. I was like, why have all these random strangers up in your
0: office? Yeah, (laughs) We've done this about six or seven times now and I just enjoy showing people a different way to work. Like We work very differently than most companies. It's a great opportunity for us to show people what's possible, and it's very small, so it's 25 to 30 people, and also people pay us to be here, and I learn back. I can watch people's faces and see what they respond to. So when I'm like, should we do this, or this is how we do that, people go, oh, interesting, or wow, I didn't think so, or whatever. For me, it's great to just to see those responses, because then I go, this resonates. So now that I know this resonates, I can write more about this, or I can talk more about this, or I thought it was clear, and it wasn't, that kind of stuff. So it's like market research in a way. Why do you make it so cheap? Well, we've been experimenting with price, actually. It started with 100 bucks, then it was 150, then it was 200, then it was 300, and now it's 500. It's also an experiment. I'm just gonna keep going. It's selling up faster and faster as I increase the price. Hmm. So I'm really curious to see where the limit is. So I'll probably go up an extra 100 bucks or 250 bucks each time and see what happens. It's not about the money either, I don't care you're obviously not making a ton off doing that's it. that's not what we're doing this for but also it's just i'm curious too about
1: what people are willing to pay for this kind of stuff interesting what have you learned in the past like any major takeaways so far in the past six or seven
0: yeah there's been one thing that really resonates with people that i wasn't sure would but does which is this idea and i'll talk about it which is this notion that we treat our company like a product and that people know how to iterate on products like it's a no-brainer everyone does it a little bit differently but that if you continue to iterate on a product, the product should get better. Get little small adjustments and constantly mm. make it better, right? People have a company and they just let it exist. They don't iterate on improving their own company, yeah. like how they work and how they hire and how they think and how their benefits are. They just let it sit, and they put all their iterative energy into the product. Totally. But if you iterate on the company too, and I'll show you guys how we do that, your company can get a lot better as well, just like your product can get a lot better. So that's something that, this idea that your company is also a product is something that really seems to resonate with people, and I'm trying to figure out how to talk more about that and write more about that. And there's also one of the things people don't understand very well is like, when do you chat versus when do you like write something up? And so I'm trying to hone in on explaining that, because in my head it's very clear, but I'm trying to figure out how to explain it clearly. And sometimes I hit home run with the explanation, and other times I don't, because this workshop is not prepared, in a sense. We take it wherever people want to go with it. So it's very spontaneous, and sometimes my explanations are better than others, and it's fun to explore that. I came five years ago, I don't know if you remember. Yeah, that's and when I you first met you here.
1: Yeah, I was a annoying guy in the crowd, I raised my yeah. camera. I, <laughs> I know, I ask questions, I can't yeah. help myself. It's funny, one thing that stuck with me that I've never forgotten was I think a lot of people, when they're making websites, and we have web properties that do relatively well, sure. but everyone's like, oh, you design it and mock it up. You're like, no, we just write out the text. Yeah. And I just thought that was such a powerful statement, and that has not left me. And I've tried yeah. to share that with everyone. And I give you guys credit. Thank you. I thought that was really cool. Lesson, yeah. but I'm
0: curious and excited to hear this. There's time. Stuff like that, which is just like these I've been doing it for so long, or we just believe in it so strongly that I don't think it's a big deal, but yeah. I can see in people's eyes and the reactions or questions that come up, they're like, what? You guys, what? And then I'm like, oh, okay, there's something, this is something there. that yeah, the people didn't huh. know about. So I like that, Ben. Yeah. there's no other way to do that. You can write an article and then people get a can comment, comment. But, but this... it doesn't have the same energy as people going So wait, you do that? Because To me, the magic's in the follow-up questions. Yeah. It's not like the comment, it's like the follow up. I say something, someone says something, I ask them something back, and then we go deep on something.
1: Yeah. That's what's exciting,
0: I think. It's a lot of work, it's five hours of talk. Yeah. All right, we're gonna go through rapid questions, then some biz.
1: Favorite gift that you gave or received last holidays? I'm not a gift person. All right, next question.
0: Uh, <laughs> what is your workout and diet? Uh, so I work out twice a week. I have a trainer. I've been going to this guy for seven or eight years. Yeah, And he's got a very different philosophy than most, which is what I like him, which is you don't sweat, you don't get tired, you leave the gym with more energy than you came in with, which is a different thing. Usually you go to the gym, you're like, you pound it spent. out and you're yeah. exhausted and you're spent. But he's, look, man, that's a shitty way to think about things. His point of view is trainers who think that way forget that their clients have the rest of the day also to deal with. Yeah. So he's like, if I tire you out at 8 a.m. and then I send you off to work exhausted, like I'm not doing my job, that's not good for you. So he's very much into like building energy throughout the session versus spending it. Um, my diet, I'm pretty careful about, I don't eat a lot of sugar, I don't eat a lot of uh, white stuff, refined white flour, that kind of <laughs> stuff, you know? I eat pretty healthy a lot of salads, that kind of stuff. But the thing that changed my diet really was cutting sugar back significantly. I did like a six-week no sugar thing. This is a couple years ago. And I have the sugar back in my diet a little bit now. But what's cool is when you eliminate it completely and then you begin to layer it back in, you feel it in a way that you've never, ever felt it before. For example, when I eat Uh, an apple, I get a sugar rush from an apple, which for like 30-some-odd years, I'd never felt an apple before. But now I realize that apples have a lot of sugar in them. It's just good to get rid of it and then bring it back in and then you feel the effects so you understand what it's doing. Totally. So I do that, yeah. You love Chicago. It's a great city, yeah. I don't know, can you love a city? It's a great city. I don't know, maybe I should say love, but I don't really feel like I love the city. I believe in it. I like a lot about it. There's a lot of things here I'm into, but love, I don't know. If you
1: had to move today, like your wife and the family have to leave, what city are you going to next? Where would I go to next? I would
0: probably actually, this is a total change for me, I'd go to L.A., Okay. Which I used to not like L.A. at all. And now I'm getting into L.A. a little bit. I think L.A. is pretty interesting. There's a lot of really creative things going on there. Because I didn't like it for so long, I would want to be there for a while. So there's L.A. I like, I also like the Northwest a lot, Portland, that kind of thing, that area, but I'm not good when there's not a lot of sunshine. But <laughs> Chicago's actually cold, but it's, in the winter it's usually pretty sunny. Today it's not, huh. today it's so shappy, But if it's like gray for a long time, I don't like that. So I think L.A. If I went overseas, Amsterdam. Ooh. Yeah. We spent about 10 days in Amsterdam last year. I'd never been there. I fell in love with the place. I love it. We're going back this summer for a little bit. I really like Amsterdam. The other city would be Barcelona. Dude, I just went. I love Barcelona. Barcelona is amazing. Spain in general, I was really impressed with. Spain's cool. I haven't been to a lot of places in Spain, but every place I've been, I love. What'd you love about that? Like the top of stuff? The culture and the architecture. The yeah. Gary. Yeah. Gary, but also Gaudi. Oh, Gaudi. Excuse me. Excuse yeah, but me. also there's some Gary stuff there too. But Gaudi. Just, it's a. It's vibrant and colorful and fun. I like that place. And then I loved Japan. We went to Japan a few years ago. I'd never been. I love Kyoto and Tokyo and a yeah. few other places. I would go to spend some time in Japan, too. How much of a year are you traveling? Very little, hardly at all. Okay, yeah. because I know your whole company's about remote, so I was curious. Yeah, to- I don't travel much, mostly because we have a young kid now. It's a pain in the ass, to be honest. He's two now, so once he gets three or four, it's easier to travel. Two is hard to travel right now, just because he doesn't like being on planes and the whole thing. So I think once he's a little bit older, we'll do a lot more traveling. But I'd like to actually go places and stay there for a while, like, a house for a month in a town, and get to know it. Yeah. I don't like the three or four day. rushing like, around. Yeah. yeah. It's, travel's exhausting in a sense, and if your flight's delayed like half
1: a day, like your trip is cut down 25%. It's funny you say that, because like I live in Austin, and after six years, I love it, but after six years, I'm like, I need a little bit more inspiration, so I'm actually yeah. gonna go live in Israel for a month. Oh, cool. And then live in L.A. L.A. Is actually grown on me and it's cheaper than SF. And you yeah. can take a quick flight right up there. I think it's
0: growing on me too.
1: Yeah. It's Maybe just, I'll see you there. I'll see you at the yeah, beach. You'll I'll be like, there in
0: February actually for the whole month, but you probably won't be there.
1: On like next month? Yeah. Oh, wow. I'll be there for the whole month. I was there on Friday. Oh.
0: Um, one thing I was curious coming back to, what other stuff do you actually love? I've turned like a big family guy. So that's a big thing yeah. for me right now. It's a hard word to talk about because like when you love your family, It's hard to say, like, I love an object, because it's not the same, right? You can't love a thing, it's hard to say it's the same. But I think the things I'm really into, let's just call it that, I'm really into vintage watches right now. (laughs) So I'm like really into the vintage watch thing. Really into architecture, I've always loved architecture. I love cooking, so I'm really into cooking now. I got really into espresso over the past year. Making it. I have a nice machine at home and grinding the beans and getting the grind right. And the whole process is fun. And every time you do it, you just don't really know what you're going to get. Because yeah. the humidity is different in the house and like all that shit. You, you grind it, you pack it, you put it in the thing, and you hit the button and you wait eight seconds. And all of a sudden, is it dripping or is it like running out in a stream? What's the color of it? It's just fun. Um, I drink a lot of tea. I enjoy that. I'm into a lot of things. I love cars. How do you find these things? That's one thing I wonder for myself and others like, oh, you see a watch, like, I like this watch. And then you go get curious. Yeah, my dad was into watches growing up. Still maybe is that we don't really talk about it so much anymore, but he collected old American watches from the 20s. He got them on eBay for like 100 bucks and he just went on eBay and bought stuff. And I remember being in high school and seeing them and thought they were cool. Kind of got into them that way. Yeah. And then over the past four or five years, I've really gotten like deep into it in a way that it's an expensive hobby and like silly in a lot of ways. It's interesting because vintage watches, you don't need a watch anymore basically, right? You got your phone or whatever, right? You don't need to know the time that way. But to me, what I love about like this watch is from the '70s, from 1970, so it's almost 50 years old, right? And it still works. Nothing we are making today is going to work in 50 years. And I just love the fact that like I can look at my wrist. This is 50 years old. Things are built to last, and they can, and they're still very valuable. And I like that. Versus, we all have phones that are like whatever. Every year, I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. That's the case. Not everything has to last, but it's cool that the humans can make things that last, and that this is mechanical. It doesn't require battery. If I wear it, it works. And I just think that's a really cool thing, so I'm into that. Dude, I love it. What was your high school superlative? Best known, you were most likely to... I don't remember what that was, but I was really good at track. So I ran track in high school. Okay. So um, I was a sprinter, and I won every race. My senior year, every race I ran, I won. I was like, I got really good at sprinting. I ran in college for a little bit, too. Okay. So that was fun. I was good at that. I was an athlete and stuff. I wasn't really into school. I was one of the popular kids for a while and then not and then yes and then not like I moved between these scenes which is interesting okay and then I got hooked up with the wrong people and then I like turned into like a bad kid and then I like was a bad kid like drugs or I didn't really do drugs but vandalism and like destruction like that kind of stuff like I got in, hooked up with these kids these guys and we do stupid shit at night like on the weekends we'd break windows or throw eggs at people's cars as they drove like stupid Sure. Like that. And I look back on that now because if I scratch something, I get irritated by it, right? And the fact that I would go and damage other people's stuff, I just got hooked up with the wrong people. My parents knew it. My parents like, these are bad kids. And I didn't know it at the time. Yeah. But eventually something happened and my parents like, if this happens again, you're out of here, off to boarding school or whatever it is. So I just cleaned up and I got good again. Do your parents say I love you? Because
1: it was interesting yes. when I asked, they do say it. Yeah. Because Asian families, actually a lot of Asian families don't. I did a lot of Asian girls. Got it. They have a hard time saying that. Kind of Admitting thing. like certain, and even for me now, like with certain friends, not, I was getting out of the car with my buddy JR and I was like, I love you, dog.
0: <laughs> <Yeah, yeah, laughs> dog. Yeah, I yeah. can't do it. My parents were extremely supportive, which I think is something I realize now. Like, I also played basketball in high school the freshman year. I'm short. Sure. It's not like we're going to be. But you got point
1: guard. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean, you and I, right? Together. So I was like a so, bench warmer.
0: So I was bench warmer. I basically played one game the whole season. I didn't score any points. I played for like six minutes, like the whole season. But my parents came to every single game. And that kind of stuff, like. That's awesome, man. That kind of shit, just I think. I didn't realize it at the time, but now I look back at it now, and now that I'm a parent, like just being there for somebody is important. Really important.
1: I have a billion dollars in my bank account, give or take. I can buy you any watch or
0: any car you want right now. <laughs> um, car? So I'm a big fan of Aston Martin. To me, Aston Martin is my favorite car brand. Um, What about their brand? What about it? Yeah. First of all, I think stylistically, they're the most aesthetically beautiful cars made today. Second thing is they're still almost entirely made by hand, which is very rare today. There's robot assistance, but like the metal, for example, for the shape of the car is hand hammered. Oh, I had no idea. Um, The person who did the final inspection on the car their name is printed like on a sill, like on a piece of metal oh, on the car. that's dumb. I the, the engine is hand assembled by somebody. So there's machines that are helping because these pieces are heavy, but it's handmade. So there's that. They're also the last independent car manufacturer, basically. So they're the last that's not owned by a big conglomerate. And I think that's really cool. It's very rare, that's how we are. We're like the independents, so I, I like that about them. Also, the other thing I, that's really important about Aston that I like is that their materials are honest. So if you see a piece of metal, or something that looks like metal on an Aston Martin, it is metal. In almost every other car, including like high-end luxury brands, a lot of things are plastic, they're like chrome. Like carbon fibered out, or something Yeah, like that. or fake carbon fiber, totally. or it looks like metal, but if you touch it, like it's plastic. Aston Martin, if it looks metal, it's metal. If it looks wood, it's wood. If it looks like carbon, it's carbon. And I love that honesty of materials, and they're like, there's hardly anyone that does that. I don't know which model it would be, because I don't really like any of their current models, necessarily. But that them okay. So I get you, Aston. Yeah, and then you uh, mean Aston? <laughs> I think as far as watches go, actually, there's two things. There's a brand called Alanginzone or Alanginzone, which is a German brand, and I love their watches. I own a couple of them, so it's not like I need one, but yeah, I, I got love got the you. brand. I got you. But there's actually a guy in Tokyo. This guy who makes watches by hand, self-taught, beautiful, cool fucking watches. This guy out of his apartment, he makes them. He read a book. There's a famous book by this guy named George Daniels, who was a watchmaker back in like the early 1900s. He wrote this book called, I think it's called Watchmaking or something, and this kid in Tokyo read the book, and watchmaking is very hard, because it's like (laughs) nano, it's hard, right? They're mechanical machines, like really detailed, hard stuff. He read this book and learned how to do it, and built his own tools, and bought the machines, and out of his apartment, he makes these beautiful, beautiful things, and he only makes a handful a year, and there's a four or five year waiting list to get one. Are you on the wait list? No, I'm not. I'd like to have one. I don't need one, nothing of the stuff I need, but it'd be cool to support him. But I don't want to wait four or five years for something. I would just lose interest (laughs) in it. That's the problem. What is something you have waited for? You've worked on Basecamp now how long? We've been in business 17 years, but Basecamp, the product's been around for 12 years. It's interesting. You,
1: at the same time, have been working on something. Yeah, I think about that where, Internet years, like every internet year to me, is like ten human right. years. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I've been doing this for like a thousand years. It does feel that way it,
0: sometimes. It, it goes quickly. Um, what's left on your bucket list? Hopefully, a lot of things. <laughs> Great. I want to see the Northern Lights. I always wanted to see a space shuttle launch, but I never did because they don't shoot them up anymore. But I'd like to see a rocket launch of some sort. And it's not like it's hard to do. Just go down to Florida, Cape Canaveral, schedule it, and you could do it. It's not a big deal. I just haven't done it. So, like Northern Lights. A space shuttle or something launch would be cool. I don't really know. I don't really work that way. I don't have a long list of things I wanna do in life. I'm mostly focused on now, and new things will come up that I didn't know about that I'm like, oh, that's cool, I wanna go there. I wanna see that. Is there anything recently that you were like, dude, I'm so glad I gotta do that? Amsterdam was great. Like, I'd never wow. been to Amsterdam. I've been to most places in Europe, but never been to Amsterdam, and I just really liked the place. The sensibilities totally were great. great. The, the canal. scale, the canal, the scale of all the architecture, and just the, the city size. The people, just the attitudes there. I totally. just really liked it a lot. Have you spent time there? I've been there two or three times. Vondel Park. was uh, amazing, yeah. All uh, the parks are amazing.
1: There's so many of them. What I like is the biking culture. Yeah, that too. They have a dedicated bike. Yes. Yeah, And
0: the, the biking thing is interesting because what's cool about the biking thing there is that bikes have the right of way, which is, it's not an exception. Like, they have the right of way. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. And I finally rode a bike when I was there. And it was such a different feeling than anything I've ever ridden before because you don't have to stop. You just go through and cars stop. Like ants. Yeah, it's like ants. And it was like this really cool pace and the city's quieter because there's no cars or very few sure. cars. And I just loved it there. I really loved it. I could see myself living there for sure. It's funny, when I was there, I met David Allen, the getting things done guy because I was speaking at a conference there and he moved there. So he lives there, he's based there. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. And I met a couple other people who were Americans who moved there. Amsterdam, and, it is. Dude. Yeah, so uh-huh. I really like Amsterdam. Tokyo blew me away too. Japan blew me away. The food the, game there for me was like—I me. mean,
1: I want to do a food trip. Yeah, you should. That's, That's a great place to do it. What are your parents? What did your parents do? And I ask that because my parents—my dad was an engineer. Mm-hmm. My biological father was a salesman, and mm-hmm. I'm in between. And my mom's a nurse, which yep. I don't think I'm very empathetic or nursing-like. Right.
0: <laughs> uh, but I guess it makes me curious about other people's friends. Yeah, sure. My mom worked as a secretary for an interior designer for 35 years, like the same woman, so they worked, or something like 30 years, or maybe something like that. Before that she was in real estate, before that she worked, I think, in a bank as a teller or something, so she's done service-oriented secretarial kind of jobs. She stopped doing that, the woman she worked for, her business went out of business, so she just stopped. Okay. My dad ran a factory for a while of a plastics plant, and they hated it. he was the president of the company, it was a small thing outside of Chicago. I don't know how long it was, he did that for a while, then he quit and then went off to just be a private investor. So he trades stocks for himself, stocks, options. Oh. So he's like a stockbroker, but not for anyone else, just it's for private. himself, private. He still dabbles in that.
1: I have anxiety. I'm the opposite of you. And it's not anxiety, but well, I have it too. What do you normally get anxiety about? All
0: sorts of things. What's yeah. like the last thing or? My kid's safety sometimes. I get a little bit like I'll see him fall and I'll just freak out or like that yeah. kind of stuff. So I'm getting much better at that. But that first kind of kid, stuff, yeah, it's it's First kid, yeah. First kid. And then there's just, I don't love traveling. It's not like the airplane itself, it's just, I don't like hassles. The thing I try to avoid in my life are hassles, at every level. And so to me, like traveling is a major hassle. It's ridiculous, it's an amazing thing that we can get on a plane and go somewhere, right? But getting to the airport and like just lugging stuff and I don't like to be late, so like that, and all these things like compound to travel, <laughs> I don't like. I've been thinking about it,
1: how has the kid changed your work life? Because I've heard a lot of times when people have a kid, they're like, I go to work and I leave it right at five. Yeah. Now I realize the money I make is for this
0: person. Yeah. Has it changed anything um, I've always been pretty good with work hours, always, for the most part. But I do want to make sure I get home around 5.30, six now because he goes to sleep at 7.30. And so every half hour I miss is like missing 25% of my day with him kind of thing. So the time that I can like blow at work over a half hour is magnified with him. So I'm just more careful about that. And I make sure we hang out in the morning you know, I get them up in the morning and that sort of thing. A lot of your talk is for working and optimizing your work life and productivity.
1: Yeah. I like having a full schedule. And I've met people that are busy. I love being busy and I'm like, most of your busy is bullshit stuff. I look at your schedule, I see what yeah. your output, it's not very impressive. right? So I like knowing things are going on in the week and you're the opposite to like some extent. I love having it everything out. In next month I'm gonna have a week where I have nothing planned.
0: Okay. I'm gonna experiment. Yeah, try So
1: it. how do you deal with that? Like how do you deal with not having stuff planned and then having some
0: things planned? I love it because when I schedule things far out in advance or load my calendar up, I end up regretting those things. Because that means like I can never decide in the moment what's more important to do. I like having big open blocks of time not on my calendar. Like, I don't have blocks on the calendar. All time is free to me except for the things I have. And whenever I have a full day, like tomorrow, I have like something at 11, something at two, and something at five. Like I'm not looking forward to tomorrow. Not that I'm not looking forward to the people I'm meeting and talking to, like I'm looking forward to those things, yeah. but I don't have a day anymore. I have like chunks of a day. And then I just can't get deep into something. So I wrote this post about Warren Buffett's schedule. Do you know about this? Mm-mm. He does this thing, now some people go, he's Warren Buffett so we can do this. I hate those arguments, because I think anyone can do whatever they pretty much want to do for the most yeah. part. Or learn the elements of it. In terms yes, of certainly. Government. If someone wants to get a hold of Warren Buffett or have a meeting with Warren Buffett, he tells his secretary that they have to call back the day before, You cannot book with Warren Buffett in advance. The only advance is the day before. So if you want to meet Warren Buffett Thursday, you have to call him Wednesday. And then he will decide what he wants to do Thursday on Wednesday, and then he'll be like, I want to keep Thursday open because I want to do something else. And so he'll just say, I'm full, I'm booked. But the point is that you cannot say, certain there's exceptions, but for the most part, if you want to meet with him Thursday, you call Wednesday. You don't call like, Four weeks in advance because he'll just say no. Call me the day before. Yeah, so I was like, that's what I've been doing. Is if you want to talk to me, uh, email me whatever it is the day before, and I'll let you know if I'm free. And I get that's, in some ways, it's dismissive of other people, What's but I don't time? see it that way. It's,
1: yeah, I don't I, see it that I, way. I think we're too giving
0: of our time. I, I think agree. we're too like, oh, yeah, here, take this. I'm like, you're not getting that back. No, it's <laughs> the most precious thing we have it is time. And actually, more precious than that is attention, which is a subset of time hmm. because you don't have as much time as you have less attention. That's interesting. It is. That's just the way it is. Yeah. So, Just to give that out like it's free and doesn't cost anything. (laughs) It's like on the streets. It's like you get what you get It's so weird to me. So I'm very careful about it. And if someone told me to call them back the day before, I'd be like, that's great. No problem. I don't feel like that's offensive or dismissive. It's just the way I care about my
1: time. Uh, A question with that would be like, how do you organize that with like long term plan stuff? Some things I have to You put like, in the calendar, like if you I'm know. speaking
0: on a conference like in 3 months. They can't ask me the day before the conference. Like they have got their own deadlines, Would right? But you schedule time to work on a presentation? No, I don't have presentations. I do everything spontaneously. So I don't have any canned anything. Then with your company, how
1: do you plan things?
0: It takes me weeks. And well, I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about anxiety too. It causes me anxiety if I'm thinking about I've got this presentation in 2 weeks. I don't know what I'm going to talk about. But that will be on my mind for 2 weeks. I don't want that on my mind for two weeks. So I basically say to the organizer of the conference, I'll do a live onstage Q&A. You can interview me. Someone else can interview me. I'll take questions from the audience. I like spontaneity. I don't like canned, prepared stuff. It's just not me. All right, I'm using that yeah. from now on.
1: You do a lot of deep work. Where and
0: when do you do that? Here. In the office? and yeah. Or at home, wherever. I work from wherever. Okay. But my schedule is open always, except like I posted that thing. You saw pictures of like I've got, a couple things a week, basically, a few things a week that are like, I have to do, that are like a call or whatever. Other than that, I'm, I'm working. Like, I'm personally worried about our children because I feel like the robots and AI I'm and all stuff.
1: Yeah. Like, what advice would you gonna give your kid for when they, like, when as a, your kid's growing
0: up? Uh, Be a problem solver. That's it. For whatever it's worth, I think programming is a shitty career to go into for 20 years from now. Why? Well, everyone's like, learn programming, CS. I think computers are gonna program themselves. I don't think like, we're going to tell computers what to do. That seems like a very now thing. I don't think in 20 years that's really what's going to be happening. So I think all this attention on CS and stuff, I think it's good from a problem-solving perspective. There's this thing I need to solve. How am I going to do this? That's all practical. And that's what I'm talking about is I'd like my kid to be a good problem solver. I don't care what problem they're solving. If you know how to solve a problem and approach a problem, whatever it is, you're going to be fine because there will always be problems. Dude, I love it. You always seem to know answers. they are opinions, and not really facts, that's what
1: I think. It's funny, people only see the dish when it comes out of the kitchen, they never see what happens in the kitchen. I guess I was curious, one last thing you were uncertain about, and then how did you solve it? I disagree with myself all the time,
0: all the time. (laughs) But you just try, for example, interesting thing is, we just tripled the price of Basecamp for new customers. Old customers, new customers, Basecamp's now 100 bucks a month, it used to be 29, okay? Big risk technically. But I felt pretty confident about it, but I didn't know it was going to happen. So we just did it. We rolled it out. Like over eight weeks, we made some changes and rolled it out. And it's turning out that it's working out great. Okay, So it's doing better than we even anticipated. But I didn't know if it was going to work. I thought it was going to work. The way I work is I think about the spectrum of certainty and if I feel pretty good about it, then I think it's worth trying. If I really have a lot of doubts, I just won't put the effort in. I'm not motivated enough to put the effort in. So it's not about getting rid of all the doubts. It's like, if I just have those doubts, we won't do it. I don't want to do it. Until you get your certainty up. Yeah, until I get certainty up. But I won't work on getting the certainty up. Maybe the certainty will come up later because a new idea will pop in my head and go, oh, that was the key to making that work. But I don't think about this in terms of 20%. If I'm at 20% certainty on something, I'm not going to like work for the next week to get to 50%. I'm just going to be like, no. And then later on, something will come to me and go, that's how we get to the next thing. You actually said something five years ago now that I remember that was really great. It's
1: like, we don't necessarily write down every product feature. We wait till things boil up to the top like yeah, they keep bubbling up. I've, I love that.
0: How'd you connect with Bezos? He connected with us. How was he in person? Cool? Wonderful. One of the most interesting people I've ever met. I haven't seen him for a couple of years now. But like, the thing about him, I've never been around somebody before that made me feel good about myself for the next week. The first time I met him, I just felt good about myself for a week. It was weird. When you have a problem, who's the first person you think of calling? Depends what the problem is. Business problem. David and I hash things out all the time together. One's the last time you disagree with David? All the time. Okay. How do you guys normally resolve to get a resolution? We argue and debate, and then it's pretty clear who wants this more, and then they Go get ahead. it. Perfect. Love it. Any perks with your company you won't do? Like, flat-out equity was not something we do. We just introduced profit sharing, but equity, like, I don't want that. I don't like what that does.
1: We do profit sharing at Sumo Group. Yep. How'd you guys determine your formula or how do you calculate how much to We just
0: did this. What we basically said was it's based on profit growth, not just profit exists. So everything above the target profit. Yeah, there's, we basically set a baseline of this year essentially and it's like from here on out, we have to keep beating the high water mark. If we beat the high water mark, we distribute a certain percentage to everybody based on how long they've been here. So What do you do with the money you
1: make? And I'm asking this selfishly because I'm always curious how people that have money, because you have some money, yeah. how do you invest it?
0: Does it sit in cash, do you put in stocks? I have a lot of cash, like sitting around, and then I'm in the stock market. Okay, I love stock market, I've been investing and your dad. for years and, years and years. Yeah, my dad. Anything unique you do with your money that most people don't? Probably have it sit in cash. Okay, Because it's technically losing money and then it's, I'm not using it, but I'm a big preservation person. So for me, it's once I have it, I don't want to lose yeah, it. Yeah, I want to know where it is, I want to see it. Yeah, but it's not like I want to double or triple it. I just don't want to <laughs> lose it.
1: It's a very common thing I've noticed with my friends who have money that are like in the seven, eight figures. Yeah. I like making it. I don't even like spending it that much. Yeah. I just like having it there.
0: Yeah. My watch habit is something I put money into. I put some money into some friends companies but I'm not an investor. I don't do that. Okay. What does your team say you need to improve on? If I talk to everybody at the company and if I ask them what's the real story about Jason (laughs) Fruitt? Probably that It's not clear how we come to certain conclusions here. I don't think I always share enough of the backstory. I share, I try and share as much as I can. Yeah. But I would say that they don't necessarily know why a lot of things happen, maybe. That'd be my guess. And what are you looking forward to most in 2017? We're writing a new book. So from that perspective, writing this new book and this new book out called The Calm Company. And it's all about like, how we're 40 hour work weeks, how we take it easy here. But I don't mean like easy, like lazy, but just we squeeze out all the waste, and then 40 hours is plenty of time, and like how we work and how we're not interrupting each other all the time, and how the office is quiet, and all those things. So, we're writing a book about that. So, I can't wait to get that out. Do you know
1: David Hauser, grasshopper.com? Yeah. I just talked to him two days ago for the first time. We've known each other, but he was telling me numbers, and I think it's public, but he was doing $30 million plus with 30 people. It's great. You know, he's still doing that? Or no, they sold. He's right. oh, that's it, right. Citrix. That's right. What really amazed me, though, is that everyone always, How many people do you have? I'm yeah, like, I know. Why does it matter why so does much? It matter? Who? I'd rather have less people, more robots, yeah. more success. Yeah. Uh, Dude, that's it. Thanks, man. Thank you so much for listening to that episode. If you loved it as much as we did making it for you, go give Jason Freed some love on Twitter. Also check out their new product, once.com, which looks super interesting. Thank you, Jason, for coming on and hanging out with us. Next, text a friend you love him. Yo, dog, let's go eat some cookies with milk together. And before you go, let me know what you think of the show. We are replaying some of our older but most popular and favorite episodes. You can hit me up on Instagram or Twitter at Noah Kagan. I love hearing from you. Have a sprity day. What's your favorite? Sparkling water.